Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I saw Andy yesterday in the garden and uh, told he asked if I was preaching, and I said yes, but my Old Testament professor would probably have a stroke, knowing I, Justin Boyd, was going to preach on the Old Testament. <laughs> but here we have God speaking through Isaiah in poetic form. It is beautiful language, but he is speaking to those who are in a difficult situation, and he reminds them of their history. Look to the rock from which you are hewn. You know that old saying that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or chip off the old block. What he says is, look back at the tree, look back at the rock, look back where you came from. If you think you are in desperate situations now, look back at Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was one old shady man. Now he is blessed and has thousands of descendants. Sarah was barren, and now she has many children. And then he moves into another kind of metaphorical language about Zion and Israel. Isaiah says, the Lord will make her wilderness like Eden. This is a description of how God acts and what God does. He takes lost causes, desperate situations, and failures and tragedies, and he, on his own, will work and bring redemption and salvation. And it ends with this beautiful passage, and it speaks in an eschatological way. There's your seminary word for the day. <laughs> if Steve is watching, I did it. Um, but that means end times, speaking toward the end times. And it says, the heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, but my salvation will be forever. Ultimately, all things will turn out beautifully right and redeemed. Now, one of the key words in this passage is listen. It opens with listen. And the second paragraph as well opens with listen. This is because the God that we serve is not the God that we see, but the God who speaks. And he is speaking to these people and reminding them of the promise, the promise that he has given them. And this promise comes in covenantal form. It comes to them in the form of a covenant that was made with their forefather Abraham and with Isaac, and with Jacob. That promise, that covenant, was that they would be a nation, a blessed nation, a nation that would be a blessing to other nations. Now, this is really important to remember when you experience desolate areas and wastelands in your life. Oftentimes, the world around you will say, hey, why don't you just move on? Get over it. Are you kidding me? You, you know I can't just get over this. It's too hard. 
But that is the promise of the world. Just get over it and move on. No matter how huge of a scar that it's left. But Christianity, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, he says you don't move forward by just moving on. You move forward by looking backwards. So this is what he's doing here. He's telling them to look back. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, whom you bore. Their lives were totally desolate, and I made it fruitful. And you people, all of you, are their descendants. He says this about the wilderness. I love this. I made Eden out of absolutely nothing. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out and my arms will rule the people. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look to the earth beneath. The point is that as Christians, we look backwards too. We look back, back to where God fulfilled the promise to Abraham in his descendant, Jesus. In whom has become a desolate place, a wasteland, in order that you and I might bear fruit. Fruit that lasts. Looking back at the cross reminds us that hope and joy and peace, while I may not see it, when it's heard in this word called the gospel, it's never far away. Look back and realize that you were nothing. If you feel a little lost right now, a little dejected, know that God is continuing to work in you and in your life. This is not about us doing our part and praying harder. You know, if we do this, then God will do this. That's not it. That is not how this works. And here is the implication of that way of thinking. God is up there hanging out, wishing he could help. Just totally wishing he could do something. But the problem is you're not praying hard enough. If you knock on God's door like a SWAT team, then God will get out of his recliner and come help. He'll put down the remote and answer the door. That's not what this says. This is God saying, I will bring my deliverance swiftly. I will do it. I am the one who does it. In the midst of your wasteland, God is faithful. But so many times the emphasis is put on us. Now, if you are currently in a wasteland or a desolate place, I know the last thing you need to hear are more ways to get out of that place. Because I know, and more importantly, God knows that you have been trying. The truth is that this particular section of Isaiah was written toward the end of their captivity. They had probably been trying everything, and I bet they were at the end of their rope. It even says they felt like they were going to die like a gnat. But when you look backwards at the cross of Jesus, you know that God has been faithful to Abraham. You know that God has been faithful to all of his covenants. His salvation will be forever and his deliverance will indeed never be ended. Now, onto this passage from Romans. This is a pretty popular one, too, right? Do not be conformed to this world. This text has been used numerous times in ways to help 
figure out what job you might take or who you should date or what you should major in in college or so many other examples. What is the will of God and how do I find out what is the will of God? Step one, burn all of your CDs. Cut off your friendships with bad people. Whatever it might be, don't conform to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Well, then people will say that you have to think these deep thoughts and pray a lot and read the scriptures. Then you will know God's will. Now, praying and reading scripture are good things. Getting toxic people out of your life, probably a good idea. But don't treat this passage as a a Twitter list of hacks to get the life that you want. The do not be conformed to this world can be a tricky thing. There can be some very spiritual, religious, even Christian places that have very worldly kinds of values. It's not that simple. It's not as black and white as people make it out to be. People often think, I, myself, can renew my mind through sheer willpower and effort. But what it's really saying is be transformed. Don't transform yourself, but be transformed. Receive the action of God as opposed to you doing it through your own grit. There's a key word here, therefore. I appeal to you, therefore. The point is to thrust you back to all of the doctrine and teaching that he's just told you earlier. What has he talked about? Well, he's talked about something very, very significant. And that significant thing he has talked about is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and what that means for you. Now, there is a very powerful distinction between an atoning sacrifice and what Paul says you are now to become A living sacrifice. An atoning sacrifice is something that satisfies sin once and for all. But a living sacrifice, that's something I'm doing in my daily life. Recognizing my total need for Jesus and by being present by the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of my neighbor. This is holy and acceptable to God. I'm no longer earning something but I'm being used by God in order to serve my neighbor. And that is spiritual worship. Now, how does that work with the do not be conformed to this world? You will hear don't drink, don't dance, don't do this, don't do that. That's not the case. The do not be conformed to this world is essentially the recognition that there is nothing that I can do to earn my salvation. There's nothing I do to make God more pleased with me. But I'm wired that way. As Paul states, the law is written in my heart. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, my mind needs to be renewed all the time to discern the will of God. And what is the will of God? That you believe in the one whom he sent. That is good, acceptable, and perfect because Jesus is the one who is good, acceptable, and perfect. And in him, therefore, I become that. Now I am free to serve. That's why the second part of this paragraph is so important. By grace given to me. 
Paul says, basically saying, I say everyone. I'm not saying this from a haughty place, but don't think of yourself more than you ought. Recognize who you are. And that is a humble servant of the Most High God who has been saved by Jesus and Him alone. Amen.